This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Okay, I'm Andrew Damelin. This is the interview, and today is an extra special one. Nick Stauskas of the Raptors 905 via Mississauga, Ontario. We started our interview by going back to his college days at Michigan, where Stauskas exuded a rare confidence about him, or what many called swagger. I asked Nick where that swagger came from. Uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, just playing basketball growing up in Toronto, like, I don't know, I was super passionate about the game and uh, obviously still am passionate about the game and um, that swagger or whatever you want to call it kind of uh, kind of just came out with you know me playing the game that I loved and uh, whether that was like you know throwing up the, the three symbol after making a shot or kind of like mean mugging someone after I dunk on them like uh, that was just you know natural emotion kind of coming out while I you know play while I played the game that I loved so um, I don't think there was any time, like, specifically that, like, it started, but, um, you know, obviously once I got to Michigan and started playing on TV, I think, you know, people started picking up on it more, and, um, you know, also for me, as I started playing in, like, bigger venues and with bigger crowds and a lot more, you know, kind of stuff on the line, um, you know, those emotions kind of played out even more, so uh, I think more than anything, that's just me enjoying myself and having fun, which is what it's all about. So in that vein, I wanted to play a little Nick Stauskas trivia, which is I'm going to give you a date, and I want to see if you recognize what happened on that date. This is during your college career. 
Okay. The first date is February 23rd, 2014. Um, I actually know this. I think we beat Michigan State at home. Um, Correct. Yeah, we beat Michigan State at home. Okay, so that's, that is what happened uh, in terms of the outcome of the game. But uh, I was listening to a podcast you did with Stu Douglas, and he, he framed it this way. He said, this is around the time when you became the J.J. Redick of the Big Ten, which is like the white guy that pisses everybody in the crowd off, on the road crowd off. Yeah. Can you describe to our listeners what you did at, after the final buzzer sounded in uh, the Breslin Center? Um, so that game... I believe, um, you know, I actually wait. I don't know. I think the February twenty third game that may have been um, that may have been a home game, or I was it at Breslin. I don't know. But the one at Breslin Center, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it was college game day, Saturday night. Um, obviously, a lot on the line. Huge rivalry game between us and Michigan State. And after the game, we snuck out with the win. And uh, I blew kisses. I blew kisses to the crowd uh, as we kind of ran off the court. Yeah, kind of ended up going viral, and there's like some memes and stuff like that that came about it. But again, that's just honestly, it was just me having fun. You know, that's kind of where it all stemmed from. Yeah, and I was talking to uh, to Brendan Quinn, who covered you during uh, during that period, and he said, "You better go pro after the season because you'll otherwise the Michigan State faithful will murder you the next time they go into the building." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, on a similar note, uh, another date I had for you, and, and by the way, I hope I got the date right in terms of the the road game at Michigan State, but that was the obviously the game I was looking for. But in this one, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Uh, March fourth, twenty fourteen. March 4th, 2014, that was probably Big Ten Tournament, I'm guessing, and uh, we played, I'm going to say, was that when we beat Ohio State in the semifinals or when we played Michigan State in the finals, one of those two? Well, again, I hope I read the dates correctly, but I thought it was the game in Illinois, uh, at the State Farm Center. Oh yeah, that probably that could be. I was just thinking. I was just thinking more like March, like tournament time. Right. So I was thinking, uh, yeah, but I know. Yeah, at Illinois, to close, that was uh, to close out the kind of the Big Ten season. We I think we clinched the Big Ten that that with that game right there. That's right. And there's there's one sequence that I mean, first of all, in the in the first half, you're you're making just ridiculous shots all over the place, and then with about 20 seconds left, uh, Illinois has like four fouls to give. Uh, so you guys, you guys continue to inbound it. They continue to foul you. It's this incredibly long, drawn-out sequence at the end of the half. And it leads to you inbounding the ball in front of the student section right at half court. Can you, yeah. take, can you take the story from there? Yeah, so I remember I was on the sideline inbounding the ball. The Orange Crush, obviously, uh, was pretty loud that game. And as I was inbounding the ball, and they weren't the first uh, – you know, fan base to do it, but, the, you know, people love chanting USA at me because I'm Canadian. So as I was inbounding the ball, either chanting USA, USA, and uh, I remember I inbounded to Derek Walton and ran up the floor. There was maybe a couple of seconds left, and um, when I passed to Derek, he kind of hit me back after one or two dribbles for kind of like a step-in, step-in 30, 35-footer, and... Um, I knocked it down at the halftime buzzer, and the USA chant, they kind of just, like, they kind of vanished, 
And I remember I just hit it. And as I as the ball was going in, I kind of already started like turning back around to look at the orange crush. And yeah, like the ball went in, and they were just quiet. And I just they, I stared at them for a couple of seconds <laughs> before I ran back to the locker room. No, but, you, uh, yeah, that was that was that was definitely a fun a fun moment. Yeah, no, that was you know you seem to enjoy the silencers um, in the road yeah. crowds, and that certainly you could hear the echo throughout uh, throughout the building there. So you know that was part of your time at Michigan. You know, obviously you had a lot of success there as a team too. You made the national title game in your freshman season, came a couple shots away from the Final Four in your in your sophomore season, and then you go pro. Uh, you selected eighth overall. You go to Sacramento, Philly, uh, Brooklyn, and there's the, the next the, the last date I have for you. I'm sure you'll recognize it, uh, that I was wondering if you would uh, let us know. October 18th, 2018. Uh, that would probably have been my first game with Portland um, against the Lakers opening night, TNT. That's right, yeah. And you made a three late that you, you know, you're jumping into guys' arms. Uh, do you remember, you know, obviously at that point you had bounced around, but do you remember at that point feeling like, man, I really – I really do belong in this league. Yeah, no, I actually remember. Um, I actually remember getting interviewed about it at the start of that season, and like you know, having a, a bumpy couple of years to start uh, my career in the NBA, and like people asked me that same question, like you know, do you feel, you know, do you feel like you belong now? Like, do you feel like this, you know, you kind of solidified yourself? And I remember saying yes. Like, I remember um, feeling lots of doubt um, throughout my first couple of years in the league, but after those first. You know, the first month or two with Portland, you know, I started getting myself into a rhythm, was playing on a winning team and had kind of like a solidified role, um, which I think helped me. And just mentally, I was in a good place. Um, so, yeah, like I I finally started feeling like, um, you know, I was playing for a good team. I was playing meaningful minutes and felt like things were starting to come together for me. And then uh, kind of in that same year, I, I got traded to Cleveland and kind of felt like, I just, you know, kind of hit rock bottom when that happened. But, um, yeah, you know, it's all, all part of the business. Yeah, it's all, you know, so much of this is situational for so many guys where they're drafted and where they get, where they, if they get traded. And obviously you're, you're referencing after the 2019 season, you're out of the league, you, you, go, into, you go to Spain, uh, and now you're back with uh, the 905, and you had a really, really interesting quote uh, in your first media availability. You were, you know, you were asked something related to this, and you, and you said, "I think just being a lottery pick and having everything happen, just having success at a young age, and then kind of just getting used to that, kind of expecting that, and just expecting things to work out all the time." Now, it's obviously a very humble thing to say, but. I read an article that uh, Jeff Seidel wrote in the Detroit Free Press in 2013. He said, after your freshman season, you wrote down every name, every freshman that was named on the all-freshman team, and every person that was named as Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, you wrote those names all down, you remembered them, and you became so obsessed that you actually sought the help of a counselor to sort of get your head right and transition into being a more team-oriented type of guy. Lo and behold, yeah. lo and behold, the next season you're the Big Ten Player of the Year. Now I, I have this whole preamble, to, and the question that it leads me to is: Has anyone ever told you that you're too hard on yourself? Yeah, for sure, for sure. A lot of people, honestly, it's probably it's probably the reason why I got myself out of the league uh, to begin with. Was I just I had such a 
hard time um, dealing with like all the failures that came with you know my first couple of years in the league and not just for me personally like I struggle with the losing aspect of it too like kind of going off that quote you said like I was so used to especially at Michigan, Michigan like I was so used to you know having personal success team success playing for championships playing meaningful games all the time and then I got drafted and then went from Sacramento, which was, you know, obviously not the greatest situation, and then got traded to Philadelphia. And then my first year in Philly, we were 10-72. And, like, I was kind of a part of the whole process, process and rebuild that was going on there. And more than anything, it was so, like, mentally it was so hard for me to deal with, like, the constant losing. And not only that, but it, it just felt like even – when I was, when I personally was um, was playing well, you know, it, it just doesn't feel good. If you play well, but your team loses by 25 every night, like you can't really celebrate that. You know, like you're sitting there after the game, like damn, like you can't even celebrate the small victories, even when you feel like you're doing what you need to do personally. So um, definitely, I was really hard on myself, and I always expect a lot on myself, but. Um, that also that mindset has also led me sometimes to you know lose confidence in myself or get dejected or um, even sometimes feeling sorry for myself, which has been toxic, like super super toxic. But um, kind of like I said in that media session, you know, I elaborated. Like I just think it, it kind of overall it's helped me grow and like helped me um, get to the point where I am now because you know I, I never had to deal with failure to that extent um, until I got to the NBA. And most people don't, you know, throughout high school and throughout college, like all the guys that are in the NBA are the guys who are, you know, McDonald's All-Americans and, you know, playing in the tournament and like, you know, playing for state championships in high school. So they're not used to having any sort of failures because they're always succeeding. And I guess a lot of the NBA, um, a lot of, you know, how you handle it is based on, you know, how you deal with those failures and how you bounce back. And uh, that's where I definitely had room for improvement. No, listen, first of all, I really appreciate your candor. Second of all, I appreciate uh, your time. And I know we're a little bit over my allotment. So my plan was actually to ask you about this and then get into how positive things uh, have been uh, with the 905. We can keep talking. You don't have to cut it short. I got, trust me, I got a couple more minutes. Okay, I I appreciate that. That, That's awesome then. So, So, you know, you come back from... Um, from Spain, you have a knee injury in February, but you're playing your first competitive basketball with the 905 now, and uh, a couple up and down games, obviously, but it seems like you have found your rhythm from three-point range, especially in the last game. Um, you know, how does it feel right now playing uh, in the 905 system, playing with, and especially specifically playing for Coach Matumbo? What's what's the impression he's made on you so far? Uh, he's definitely very. Uh very energetic, very uh, fiery uh, personality. But the thing I love, the thing I love most about him is, you know, his competitive spirit and him truly wanting to help us all, you know, get to the next level. And that's kind of what he preaches to us all the time. Like everything that he asks of us, everything that he's pushing us toward, you know, he's, he's really trying to get us to where we want to go. You know, all of us who are here in the G League, you know, we, he said this to us in our first meeting. He said, none of us, grew up saying, hey, I want to play in the G League. You know, we all grew up saying, I want to play in the NBA. So he goes, I realize that none of you want this to be your end goal. And he was saying just how his whole motivation 
everything he asks of us is to try to help us achieve our goals. So um, when you hear your coach say that, I think it's just easy to, to buy in and trust everything he's asking of us because we know it. And at the end of the day, he's just trying to help us. He's here to help us achieve our dreams and get to the next level. And um, I love our coaching staff. You know, between the film breakdowns, the training camps, the practices that we've had, uh, I feel like the whole team has, you know, just in general, we've gotten a lot better. We're continuing to learn. Um, and, you know, we still got seven, I think, seven games here left. So, you know, still some more room for improvement. And hopefully we can be competing for a championship at the end of this. Yeah, and uh, you guys are five and three. Just came off a, a thrilling win that uh, would have been so heartbreaking if you guys had lost. But uh, Henry Allenson ends up making the game-winning shot. And and as an afterthought, you made what I wrote as the dagger three about thirty seconds before that went to go up by five. Um, as a last question for you, how are you feeling? How's that shot feeling? And how you know in general, how, you know how are you feeling about your game at this at this stage? Yeah, like I'm I'm still I'm still finding my rhythm and. You know, I haven't played competitively in a full year, so um, although I, you know, I would have loved to see my jumper go down with a little more consistency to start. You know, it kind of wasn't wasn't shocking that um, you know I've had some up and down games. So uh, the main thing for me was just trying not to, you know, like we talked about before, get too um, get too frustrated or get or think about it too much. You know, I know I'm, I know I'm a good shooter and I've you know put in the work, so. The main thing for me was just to continue trusting that and continue playing the right way and, and understanding that if I did those things that eventually things would turn around. So um, I feel like I'm working myself into a pretty good rhythm, but I, I still feel like there's there's a lot of room for improvement for my game. But more than anything, I've been, it's been great to just play basketball again. You know, it's been a full year for me since, since I've been out there competitively. So uh, just finding that joy and playing again and, and getting myself back out there has been, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's nice to hear you use the word joy because in this situation, in a 15-game bubble with in 25 days with everybody watching, it seems like a stressful situation, which I'm sure it is, but it's nice to hear that you also are finding uh, joy in it. Listen, Nick, we really appreciate you taking some extra time with us. We wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, and we will all be watching you uh, on your chase back to the NBA. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good talk to you. All right. Bye, Nick. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.